Hello everybody and welcome to All Things Medical Assistant. My name is Santino Tejas. I am your host for this new podcast and I am super, super, super excited. Uh, this is uh, something I've been wanting to do for some time. This is my flagship podcast, so thank you for uh, sticking around if you've listened to my intro and coming back. Really appreciate it and hoping to grow uh, an audience base and, and interact with them. Now, I myself am a medical assistant certified and have been a medical assistant since 1993. And over the years, the role has changed so much. Uh, license shares, rules, regulations, uh, big, big changes have, have happened. So this podcast is about the individual as a medical assistant in the field through all these changes and in their current role. Now... There have been shows historically about nurses, about doctors, emergency rooms, you know, EMS, but there's never been anything regarding the medical assistant. Now, the medical assistant has become one of the most uh, sought after and uh, recruitable positions out there, which is great because it's, it's a very honorable field. And I've YouTubed and I've also searched for other podcasts regarding medical assistant. And they're all really about procedural stuff and roles and what to do and what not to do. Podcasts I found are regarding really the role and how it's changed and how it's affected administrative purposes. You know, that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast will be about, you know, the emotional involvement, decision-making, the physical, uh, mental uh, stresses of being a medical assistant. And through additional podcasts to come, I will have interviews, co-hosting, and again, like I said, hopefully get listeners involved and just make this a really fun, all-around, opinionated uh, show about the field of medical assisting. So, again, historically there have been shows about all the many levels in in, in in the medical field, and I think now the medical assistant deserves it, deserves its own its own um, level here. So again, thanks for listening. Uh, now, uh, it took me about maybe three weeks to finally sit down and and record this and get everything done and cut and and put in line. So if it sounds a little bit out of order, you know, it's just I'm just excited. So um, I've, I've got my. I've got my, my train of thought, but uh, I, I tend to be more of a, you know, off-the-cuff kind of a, a podcast host. So, you know, the history of the medical assistant, at least when I started in 1993, was a very basic entry-level position. You, you learned blood draws, you learned capillary, you learned uh, very minimal diagnostic and how to perform centrifuging and, and such things like that. Uh, but it was more heavily relied on as far as administrative, front office, answering phones, taking messages, relaying messages, returning messages, stuff like that, you know. Um, and over the years, it's just changed tremendously. In 1998, I'd actually gone on to become an EMT and had a wonderful time with it. Uh, learned so much more, obviously, so much more of an experience. 
And even then, I had uh, acquaintances and friends who had remained medical assistants. And so, you know, when I was out of the game for a while, and I would meet up with them, and I, we, would, we would exchange stories. They'd want to know about my EMS stories, and I'd want to hear about their, you know, work as, um, as, as ongoing medical assistants. It was really cool and interesting to see how the role had become more predominant or dominant in the medical office setting, you know. I started hearing about how some of my friends were becoming uh, front office assistant managers, front office coordinators, back office managers, or back office uh, coordinators. And just from there, you know, roles flourished. Now, a couple of more years going by, in uh, 2004, I had taken on an additional role as a surgical technologist. And at that time, um, I was exposed to a obviously bigger field of responsibilities, a wider field of responsibilities, right? And what was interesting was is, uh, even though my new position as surgical technologist was set in the operating room, I was learning from other medical assistants who were just graduating or had already graduated and, 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 and been in practice or an externship that now they're being taught minor surgical procedures. So this just like really, you know, blew my mind because when I was in medical assisting school, there was no way that they would teach a medical assistant how to, how to set up a sterile field, how to scrub in, how to don and doff or glove. Uh, a surgeon that just wasn't heard of, you know. I didn't even think back when I first started in 93 did they teach a medical assistant how to catheterize um, anybody, right? And now it's a very common practice for a medical assistant to do. So, you know, I was. it was cool to see that a role that I had originally started, which opened so many doors for me, which led me to become an EMT and push myself more and and become a surgical technologist, it was just becoming this great, 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 you know, um, uh, role in the field, you know. And through all this time, I was always a medical assistant first. You know, when I was out in the field under my other certifications, I was always a medical assistant first. And I always give thanks to my beginning as a medical assistant. So, looking at it now... And I've, you know, I've had the, 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 the possibility and the pleasure of being able to take part in, in courses and functions at schools and, and lectures and speeches that I've been able to give and I've been able to see how much further the role has, has gone on uh, and responsibilities to incorporate, you know. The medical assistant role is just blown way out. It's just, it's an amazing thing. So for this reason, you know, with these additional responsibilities and the training and the studying and the mental capacity that one has to have, you know, I just think it's important that, you know, we have our own voice to be able to communicate with each other and to be able to share stories and to be able to learn from each other how it is that we function and how we get along and and maybe someone can share a story about how they've broken because of it and how they fix themselves or they how someone's helped them you know find their way back so i'm hoping that this podcast will do that i'm hoping this podcast will give 
uh, medical assistant um, a voice, you know. Now, you know, that, that, that being said, along with a change in the MA role, obviously comes a change in the MA responsibility. You know, and, and, and before I'd mentioned how, you know, an MA had, had become maybe like a front or back office coordinator or assistant manager, you know, nowadays, um, unfortunately, a lot of uh, LVN or LPN roles, licensed practical or licensed vocational nursing roles, are being replaced with medical assisting. Now, I don't say this facetiously, or I don't say this to be competitive or to knock the, the nursing profession. It's very, very important. You know, historically, there's been a wonderful relationship between the nurse and the physician, the nurse and the clinic role. Nurses are, are, are the backbone of, of, of the medical field. And I have felt that a medical assistant, you know, is one of those vertebra, so to say, or one of those proponents in that backbone, you know, that, that the nursing field itself, you know, provides to a practice. So, you know, I've had friends that have become office managers as medical assistants, office supervisors as medical assistants, you know, been given this tremendous role because of how far responsibilities are taught and skills that are taught in a medical assistant course, you know, it makes them so much more uh, desired and valuable in the field and in the medical office. And if you have a previous experience and you go on into the field, or rather you go on to further yourself, you know, you're just that much more desirable, you know. Now, along with responsibility comes, you know, great accountability, right? So we got to think about it, you know. You're, you're, you're a medical assistant. You're relied on very heavily to have that office ready to go, lights on, computer on, you know, paper over the table, you know, schedule made, you know, fishing done for the week and or what have you, right? Especially if you're a lead medical assistant, you know, it's, it's, it's just a tremendous role. And, you know, one of, I think, the, the greatest um, responsibility is that of the emotional and, and, and the mental uh, commitment that you know, one has to give to being a medical assistant and, and, and providing that, that uh, what do you call that design or that, uh, that design of the practice or the, the practice management. You know, you're responsible for not just the schedule and the patient, but you're responsible for the medical assistant that, that works alongside of you, that may work under you or that reports to you rather. You know, all the physicians look at you. You know, and medical assistant is one of those fields that really, in my opinion, when you're off the clock and you go home, you it's, it's a work that you take with you. Not just because of the emotional, um, the emotional ties that you, or relationships that you create with patients and stuff, especially, for example, like in family medicine, but you're, you're, you're touching a person, you're... You're physically becoming available to somebody, you know, you're, you're, you're mentally and, and emotionally becoming available to somebody and to hear them out and to comfort them and to help them feel better. And that's, that's a heavy burden to, 
to carry, you know, because it carries on until the next day, you know. For example, let's say, you know, one day doesn't go so well. You have a patient who's upset or you have a patient who negligently was, negligently, excuse me, was affected. Well, you know, you've got that next day to make it up. And you've got to try and figure out a way how to do that, you know. Or let's say you're in charge of a practice, you know, you set it up and get it ready as best as you can, but through the day, something doesn't go right, you know, and you take it very personal. That's a heavy burden to to have because, well, you know, it's your world. You know, they come to you. They look at you for it, you know. So those out there that are in the position of a lead medical assistant or, or an office coordinator or an office manager, you know, you should remember that you not only have been given the responsibility and yeah, it's your job and your responsibility to be productive and successful, but that you're only human as well and that you try your best and that you go on there to try your best every day, that you, that you make up your mind every morning that you get up and get to work, that you're going to do your best that day. You're going to do your best to lead. You're going to do your best to provide. It's all you can do, you know, and if it gets to a point where you're just getting a little too close to that edge or that fuse is running a little bit short with all that emotional responsibility that we carry and mental responsibility that we carry um, it's it's only okay to acknowledge that and take that first step to say hey I need help or this is really becoming a little too much for me to be able to step back and that's all okay in the role of a medical assistant it's all very okay so, you know, that's another level of emotion that I hope to get into later on in the, you know, in, in my podcast. And, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like I said, you know, medical assistants have become so, so such powerful proponents in the medical practice. And I just feel it's time that we have our own voice. And everybody's welcome to listen um, you know, through the years when I've met people or people that come into clinic or when uh, I've been out, you know, been able to give speeches or rather, you know, um, been a part of, well, let's say speeches, right? You know, I think medical assisting is the best way to go. When I meet people on the street and they're like, well, you know, I'm interested in the medical field. I just don't know which way to go. I just don't know which way to start. I don't know how to start. What should I do? I like nursing, but I don't like blood, or I like this, and I, but I don't like that about it. You know, how can I start? How can I? Well, you know, if, if you can, if someone can find it within themselves to take that that initial step into the world of medical assisting, they'll find that it's a great way to start. They'll find that, you know, it opens many, many doors. As a medical assistant, you can go into any field, family practice, general surgery, you know, cardiology, urgent care. I mean, it prepares you for, for a, a, a plethora of, of responsibilities in, in, in clinical roles. And, and that's the way where someone can find what they like or where they want to be and then pursue it from there. And then from there, go on to nursing, physician's assistant, you know, however they'd like. So, again, thank you for listening. This podcast will be about giving the medical assistant a voice, and the listeners can come back to the podcast 
and, and, and hear what's being said and try and relate and hopefully maybe to get you as a listener to interact, you know, ask questions, find some great interviews to share stories and respond to those. So um, initially I plan to upload as frequent as possible, maybe every other day. Um, so please uh, keep coming back and uh, looking for my uh, next podcast and and again, my name is Santino Teas, your host for All Things Medical Assistant. And if you have any comments or suggestions or any ideas as to where maybe you'd like me to go next, go ahead and leave me a message. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there, okay? Thanks a lot, guys. And uh, to all the MAs out there, uh, good job and keep it up. Till next time. and welcome back to All Things Medical Assistant. My name is Santino Teas, and I am your host for this podcast. Uh, a couple of uh, things I'm excited about today is that um, I'm actually uh, recording this uh, podcast session on video for my YouTube channel. Uh, what I'm hoping to do is uh, reach multiple uh, people in my audience, um, both uh, friends, uh, you know, uh, podcast-wise and uh, on my channel. And so if you get a chance, you can check out That Mad Guy, look for the uh, Statue of Asclepius, and uh, you will have found me. So thank you again for coming back and sticking around as well. I also purchased uh, the appropriate uh, podcast recording uh, equipment, so uh, my first episode came, didn't come across as uh, audio fantastic as I thought it would, so hopefully this is coming across a lot better to everybody. If you have any comments or recommendations, go ahead and uh, send me a voicemail and I'll be happy to read them. So today I wanted to talk about uh, a quick topic, uh, something that we all are searching for, whether it be in life or whether it be profession-wise, and that is the topic of motivation. And how am I relating this to the field of medical assistant? Well, let me tell you. So, in my course of the day at work, I come into contact with, obviously, you know, multiple patients. And sometimes they're students, sometimes they're retired, sometimes, you know, they're, they're currently employed. But it's interesting, when you're talking, you get to know these people, uh, you tend to find out that a lot of them are still looking for motivation in life. A lot of them are still looking for something that's meaningful, or a lot of them are looking for something to cut down on that stress in life, right? Something that they enjoy, something that they don't feel like they're just punching in and punching out. And at the same time, they feel stumped, lost, or hit a roadblock as to, you know, they can't find the motivation. They just don't know what it is that they want to do or, or where to go. So this is what I've come up with. Motivation, right? Motivation, you know, if you think about it, what does it mean to you? It means the will to get up and, and to do something, the will to get up in the morning, make your breakfast, take your shower, go to work, you know, get your kid dressed, feed your kid. Those are all, that's all motivation, okay? So what about motivation in life, you know? So one, one example I use is motivation to become a medical assistant. So you want to take on a new career path, you want to try something new, or if you're out of high school, you want to, you want to, you want to get a good job, you know? And in today's market, it, you know, we're seeing, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, college graduates of bachelors or PhDs not able to find jobs in their in their uh, choice of, of uh, education 
you know, causing a, a debt, not being able to pay because they can't find a good paying job. So they end up going back to vocational studies. Uh, so whatever the, the reason may be, um, when you look to something to take on, to start to try new, to f try and find meaning, there's a lack of confidence, I think, initially. Because if it's something new, obviously, you don't know how to do it. You don't know what it entails. So you might start some research, you might start looking into it, you might talk to people about it and try and get more information. But still, where is the motivation from? You know, so let's say you talk to somebody, you read a pamphlet, you see something on TV, and you find something that sounds good. Okay, well, will you get up off the couch and make that phone call? Will you actually walk into that uh, vocational program office or your community college and, and inquire about it? Well, where's that motivation? You know, unfortunately, in my opinion, motivation has been very, very, um, very under very underrated and not taken uh, to, to, to serious sorts and let me explain why so you know when you look for motivation you're looking for motivation due to a lack of confidence lack of experience and lack of the motivation itself well I'm not experienced in medical assisting I'm not experienced in nursing or I don't think I have what it takes or I don't like blood um, you find reasons not to take on um, any new detail in life but you have to understand something. Without starting somewhere, you don't build that confidence. Without starting somewhere, you don't build that knowledge base. Because I mean, we have to admit, knowledge is does create uh, confidence. You know, being able to uh, perform skills instills confidence in you. So you have to, you know, initially find that push to want to even do that, right? And I call that the "you've got to put the work into it" clause. You've got to put the work into it, okay? So, you know, we are creatures of habit. You know, we get stuck in ruts that become routines, which become our habit. Um, I recently watched a special on Netflix, uh, the, the Creative Brain. I recommend that you all watch it. And, you know, basically what, what I learned from it is, and what you might agree with as well, is, is that the, the brain is made to take the path of these resistance. Meaning what? Meaning, you know, you're going to do what you know best. Like, for example, I get up, I make the same breakfast every morning, I shower at the same time, uh, I leave the, hall, the house at the same time, take my daughter to school, get to work at the same time, clock in at the same time, perform this. So that's uh, the, least, the, the path of least resistance because we're used to it. We know how to do it. There's nothing new to it, right? And just because over time that I've been in the field 27 years, I've been able to, to pick up enough knowledge and, and, and skill that I can do my job effectively um, and very confidently, you know. So, well, how do you break that routine? How do you break that? You know, again, you got to look for that confidence, that motivation. And again, it's about putting the work into it. You've got to make that decision to put the work into it. You've got to make that decision to... Give yourself that initial push because if you can give yourself that initial push you can get there you can do it but you have to sit and really think can i do this i'm going to try it and you'll surprise yourself you know if you find something that you know it's it's it's, it's something you really like you'll go on and you'll become more experienced and more skillful and you'll develop more confidence if it's something you figure that you don't like that you don't uh find pleasure or you see yourself doing long term then you, you you give it up and you move on to the next thing 
So, you know, as I said, we're creatures of habit. We take the path of least resistance. And that's just how we are. That is not a character flaw. It's a default, you know. I mean, we can't logically go through life every day trying something new, can we? No, that's very tiring. It doesn't make sense. The mental capacity might be there, but is the emotional capacity there? You know, who knows? There are people out there that take on many facets of the world and they're very successful at it. Well, you know, that's not for everybody and that's okay. And that's okay to feel like, well, maybe I'm not catching on to it. And that's okay to feel that way. But remember, you've got to push and keep going. You've got to look for that confidence. You've got to look for that motivation. And you can do it. Now, you know, another point is I believe that motivation is very misrepresented in society these days, you know. So, you know, when, let's say, someone wants to look for motivation or look how look to uh, better themselves, you know, where do a lot of people look for? Well, they look for motivational videos, motivational presentations to attend at the local seminar hall. You know, they, they listen to speeches, you know, on podcasts, or they'll read a self-help book. But what this, um, what this fails to tell you is, is that these are very general, general basis for motivation. Unfortunately, people go to these seminars, listen to these speeches, uh, listen to these, these presentations, thinking, well, if I listen to a real estate agent who's very successful in making money, obviously, I see him on TV, and he says, I can make you a successful real estate realtor in 90 days. Come and join my my, my, my initial free consultation, my initial free presentation, and then go on with my program. You know, pay another $9.99.99, and I guarantee you're going to be successful. Well, yeah, you know, you can be successful if you put the work into it, but also if you have an interest in that field. If you don't have an interest in real estate, then you're not going to have that 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 push or motivation to to push it or become successful in it. No, you have to find something that that is targeted to your to your liking. Another example: Let's say uh, somebody's giving a presentation and becoming a a, a, a workshop um, professional. Wow, that's great! I've always wanted to be able to work with my hands. I've always always wanted to be able to use tools. I've always wanted to know what type of wood to buy and create beautiful furniture. Does that mean that your interest in that makes you a great woodworker? No. You might go to a presentation, listen to the details, and figure, well, I still have an interest in it because it's a skill I'd like to have, but do I really think that I can do it? So you can push and push and push yourself, and next thing you know, you know, I just don't have the interest in it. So whenever you read these self-help publications, watch these presentations, attend these presentations, watch these videos, be very, very careful who the speaker is, what their intended audience is, and what it is they're looking to pass off. Because if I'm the real estate guru and I want to make you successful, more than likely somehow when you put the work into it, you're still connected into my you know, uh, group there and somehow I might just profit off of you too, you know? Kind of like the whole herbal life, Mary Kay thing. Well, anyways, well, that's my opinion. Um, you got to be very careful with who the intended audience is. So remember, when you listen to these, when you listen to these speeches, when you attend these presentations, when you read the self-help books, take them at the very basic, basic, basic level. Okay. 
take them to mean that yes you can do and these are the tools and these are the the, the experiences but find something that you're interested in don't just go off and try something that someone else is good at because they're successful more than likely you won't be successful because that's not your interest and they don't tell you that they don't tell you that because they want attendance in masses they want attendance in great numbers and yeah they're successful because they found their niche they found their uh, their interest in life and, and profession so they're able to do that they're able to talk about their 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 experiences and their income because they're used to it because that's what they do that's what they're good at doing but it doesn't mean that that's what you're good at doing now let's turn it around like me I became a medical assistant you know someone came to a class and said hey you know what medical assistant is a great career learn skills learn life-saving skills learn lifelong skills I went to an open house, listened to more speeches, and watched some videos and some more, you know, PowerPoints, and I was still interested. And then I started the class, and I'm liking the skills, and liking the skills, and liking the skills. And eventually, I made it through the class, learned the skills, went on an externship. I was very successful. 27 years later, I'm still doing the same thing because I found my niche. I found what's important to me. And you've got to do the same thing. And it's going to take... Some research. Again, what's my favorite line? You've got to put the work into it. You know, as these things present themselves, they're not just going to fall into your lap and then you're going to say, oh, wow, look, this is for me. No, you've got to put the work into it. You have to get up and put the work into it, okay? So be careful about the misleading presentations and and, and book covers and all that. So just just put the work into it. And, and if you have to try more than one thing, try more than one thing. You're worth it. Your confidence is worth it. Your individuality is worth it. Your happiness is worth it. Your family's trust in you is worth it. Your family's love in you is worth it. You know, your family, your friends want to see you happy. And if you don't have family and friends around you, then you want to see you happy. You know you do. You feel it. You're tired of being being sick and tired. You're tired of being not successful. You're tired of being stuck at that dead-end job. You know, you wish you could be that that person that has something meaningful you know going on in their life but again you have to put the work into it okay you have to you have to put the work into it now I don't I'm not creating this 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 podcast or video you know to put people down that don't have an interest or might be suffering from depression not at all if anything this is to help you to to better you know hopefully lift you to better help you understand that you know, you can do anything in life. Anybody can do anything. And that's true. You can do anything in life that you put your mind to it. That is true. My daughter who's five, I tell her, you can do anything you can put your mind to. You know, and so all I have to do is buy her a box of chalk, you know, let her go to her chalkboard, and she draws me a heart. Because she says, I can draw a heart. Now, at five years old, drawing a heart and coloring it in, that's spectacular. That's built a confidence that she can do something that she has said. She was provided the tools. She went and she did what she'd like to do. Same thing here. You know, we have to get up, look for those tools, take that initial step, and I promise you, when you find something you like, and you go forward with it, step by step, little by little, you're gonna increase your confidence. You increase your knowledge base, and when you do that, you feel 
you feel more, you, well, you feel more confident, you know? And it's a step-by-step process. Another recommendation, start with small goals, you know? I, you know, am at fault for wanting to, at times, start at the top and, you know, and then stay at the top. You know, sometimes I don't want to start at the bottom and work my way up to the top. But I have to remember, you know, I have to learn basics. I have to learn from, you know, ground up. And that's, an, that's anybody in any situation. But remember, you're worth it. You're worth the confidence. You're worth the patience. You're worth the new skill. You're worth the value. You just need to go out there and find what it is that you might be good at. And again, you know, you have to, if, if it takes more than one, um, one try uh, at the same thing until you get it right, fine. If, you, if it takes, if it means taking a chance or, 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 or taking a chance on multiple topics, go for it. If anything, you know, you've taken up your time and you've learned some new skill sets along the way. And that alone itself will increase your confidence. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, don't go gamble at different casinos. Well, you know, that's not, that's not a confidence builder. That's just a, that's just a, an addiction. That's a problem. But let's say one day you want to try woodworking and you don't find it works. Or let's say the next day you want to try automotive and that doesn't work. The next day you want to try um, author, you know, writing books. Or you want to try a podcast, but you find that you're not that dedicated to it. That's fine. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you can say, wow, I tried 30 things. I haven't found what I'm good at yet. But you know what? I know a little bit about all of these things put together. And you know what? I'm that much smarter and I'm that much more confident. That means that I can go forward and I can put my head to it and learn something new. Okay? And I can learn something new. So, again, you know, this is not intended to... to belittle those that are dealing with any condition or, or that you know, that might lack um, uh, you know, personal direction. It's hopefully, this just makes a little bit more sense, okay? So please, go out there, go out there, go outside, smell the fresh air, you know, go to your local community college, go to your local uh, community center, you know, just look for what might be available out there. Try and pick up a new skill. But the thing, like I said, what is the most important thing that I said is, is you've got to put the work into it. You've got to put the work into it. Getting up in the morning is work. You know, uh, taking on a new task is work. Take, you know, me taking my kid to school is work. But it's what I enjoy. I enjoy being a father. So I love it. You've got to put the work into it, Okay. So again, I hope this helps a little bit, makes sense. If you have any recommendations or comments or any questions that you'd like me to cover on the next podcast, please send me a voice message and uh, I'll be happy to, uh, to read it and, 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 and talk about it, okay? All right, well, again, this is Santino Ortiz for All Things Medical Assistant and uh, see, you at the next, uh, see you at the next podcast.